1: brian
0: caram hi welcome back it's just asked the question i am your host brian caram with me today is john Fugel, saying serious at xm uh yeah host uh bon vivant around town and we're here to talk about something serious no it's not the beatles although i want to get you back for that john but <laughs> Uh, What we are talking about today is religion and politics, particularly Christianity and those Christians who claim that Donald Trump is the second coming of Jesus Christ or something close. So we're going to unpack that over an hour. So stick around. We've got a few breaks to take and then we'll be right back. Hi, we are back. It is just ask the question. I am your host, uh, Brian Carman. With me, John Fugel. Saying, John, I want to start out. We're going to talk about Christianity and and politics. And let's Great. start out a little bit with our, our our bona fides in that. And I'll let I'll let you go. You you and I were both raised uh, in a, a very well. I was in a very non secular environment. I I remember uh, going on retreats with my father as um, you know he was. I was raised by Jesuits and I was an altar boy and, you know, reading the Bible was part of everything that part and parcel, of everything that you did on a Saturday and a Sunday. And I remember those days in confession when I would have to make up sins. <laughs> that was one of my sins: was yeah. going into confession as a young kid to make the stuff up.
2: So come on, eight year old, think of something.
0: Yeah. That's I, I, I made up my sins last week, father. Good boy. <laughs> so, um, you, you, you were raised in that environment as well.
2: Yeah, maybe maybe a bit different. Um, you know, yeah. my, my mother and father were both uh, in the religious life. My mother was a, a nun from the South for uh, 16 years. She um, went into the convent right out of high school. They put her through uh, nursing school and then sent her to work first in Brooklyn, where she met the man who would become my dad. Uh, and then she went for several years to Africa to work with lepers, um, and then uh, Jungle Hospital in Malawi, and Man. my father was a Franciscan brother during all this time. He was uh, teaching history to Catholic boys in Brooklyn, and wore the ropes, the robes, and the rope belts, and looked like the Lost Jedi. And um, <laughs> he uh, he he eventually, my mother was transferred back. My my well, before my mother was ever sent to Africa, my dad was one of her patients in the hospital, Holy Family Hospital in Brooklyn. Wow. And, and uh he had tuberculosis as a very young man and fell madly in love with his southern accent nurse. Where was she from in the south? Virginia Beach.
0: Oh, and she had that, that twine.
2: Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um they he knew he couldn't love her. He knew he couldn't tell her he loved her. They stayed pen pals for uh for many years. And then eventually he he got her, and they raised us to be progressive, free thinking Catholics, which um, is why I have to do stand up because I can't afford the therapy. I actually. <laughs> and my my um. That's how my, we all got into it. Who are you kidding? <laughs> well, my upbringing was was uh, very conservative and very liberal at the same time. Mine which too. Is, sort of why i understand all points of view and don't totally fit in anywhere um you know my my parents we, we were very catholic church every sunday every holy day grace before meals prayers all that business not really into the confession uh stuff and my dad was all about like civil rights catholicism he was all about loving the berrigan brothers and you know uh i mean my dad gave me my copy of uh, autobiography of malcolm x he had a collage portrait on his wall of Gandhi, Dr. King, and Dorothy Day. It wasn't a very good portrait. It looked like Michael Jordan, John Lennon, and (laughs) Ghandi. But you know, those were when when I was when I was a little little kid. My dad pulled me out of bed late one night. My mother was working, and and I didn't understand why because he made me go to bed early. Wouldn't let me stay up to watch Battlestar Galactica, but pulled me out of bed to drag me down the hall to his bedroom to see something on the news that was really late. And it was Jimmy Carter signing the Camp David Peace Accord between Israel and Egypt. My dad couldn't believe an American Christian had helped bring peace to one corner of the Middle East. To him, this was everything that Christianity and America could and should be. And he just wanted his kid there to witness it. I was too young to appreciate it. I didn't. I I knew who Jimmy Carter was. I didn't know who Menachem Begin or or Anwar. So Sa- Moshe, Diane had an eye patch. That was pretty cool. Yeah. But let's get on my father's face how important this was to him, and that was really the beginning of my spiritual education.
0: I well, I will say that uh, not so different actually. I my uh, my father was supposed to go to seminary and spent uh, two years in it and didn't become a priest. Um, <laughs> Uh, my mother was far from, from that, but my grandfather, uh, never a nun, my mom, but she, we all went to Catholic school, very Catholic environment, you know, walking seven miles uphill each way to go to school every day with a potato in your hand. It was always 30 degrees below zero, even in the summer. Um, but, uh, to, to keep your hands warm, it was a potato, but, um, I remember my, it was my grandfather who was the one who gave me kind of the spiritual awakening. And for me, it wasn't, um, it, it it was I remember well I was a teenager during the peace of course but for me it was a little earlier it was uh it was Bobby Kennedy and my uh my great my my grandfather my grandmother my father my mother myself I think there were a couple other of the kids went to Indianapolis uh to hear um Bobby speak and wow. it was it and you rem- that night was the night Martin Luther King was assassinated yeah and I remember it was the only time I ever saw my grandparents in tears. And wow. it was uh, when he came out and said, I know a little bit about what this is like. And then he came out and quote, I always pronounce his name wrong, Oschelitz, but he came out and, and quoted uh, a Greek philosopher and just at the drop of a hat. And, and you know, we should make uh, better the ways of mankind. And and it was that that brought me to, and then of course, six weeks later, I think it was, he was assassinated. And- That's right. To me, that was that was the beginning of an awakening for me. As um, and it was when I look at politics today, how far we, how far from that we are. It 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 always brings something to me. And so that, with that said, as background, and having a. Spent too many years as an altar boy myself. (laughs) Let that one start. I never,
2: I never was, but my my brother was. uh, (laughs) But I was, I was, I I was never an altar boy. My dad was a, 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 you know, very, very. uh, I mean, he was a a lecturer, a a lector in the church, and a Eucharistic minister. My uncle was a. um, My godfather was a a deacon in the church, um, and, and. yeah, and baptize his own kids. I mean, we had a lot of that. It was very, yep. I had a huge Brooklyn Catholic family and a huge Southern Catholic family. Yeah, that we were a huge
0: Southern Catholic family in the Archdiocese of Louisville, Kentucky, which was a, one of the largest archdiocese outside of D.C. and New York. And for a while, was in the early 20th century, it was like half of the country was was out of there. and wow. uh, Yeah, all the South and all the Midwest and, you know, of course, broke it up with Chicago later, who knows. But um, so anyway, I want to start out. That's the background. Today, we talk a lot about um, being Christian and being a politician and how we are a Christian nation. And I'm also a student of history a bit, and this country, correct me if I'm wrong, please enlighten us all. We were never
2: formed as a Christian nation, were we? No, Brian. Uh, (laughs) The founders of this nation, while many were believers themselves, would probably be called deists. In Um, fact, that's
0: what they called themselves, Adams, uh, I believe.
2: They believed in something, but they didn't pretend to know absolutely what it was. See, the problem in America is not religion. Uh, the problem in the world is not religion a lot of our atheist friends want to say it is the you oh know, religions responsible for all the rape and homophobia and violence and suppression and, 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 and no the fundamentalist wings of every yes. religion are responsible for all the abuse of women and gay people and minorities it, it, we'll never measure how much good has been done because of a fear of hell we'll never know how many rapes and crimes and murders weren't committed there's untold acts of charity and kindness and love and empathy and decency and not being a dick by religious people so i'm i'm not anti religion in, in the slightest i am anti fundamentalist the fundamentalist wings of all the world's great religions are essentially one big evil religion and they're yes. all the same like fundamentalist muslims jews christians they all believe the same thing they they believe that um that uh, uh, sex is bad unless it's for procreation, gay is bad, women second-class citizens, violence is okay if my side does it, and other religions are allowed to exist, but I'm in the only one that matters. There's also a penchant for victimhood in all three wings, the fundamentalist wing. The overwhelming majority of moderate or liberal Christians and Jews and Muslims are getting along just fine right the hell now. It's the fundamentalists who keep on doing it, and it's because the opposite of faith isn't doubt, The opposite of faith is certainty, and it's the certainty of the fundamentalists that let them commit all manner of atrocity because they know they get a pass because things are what they are, I I was told. The founders were terrified of this kind of thinking back then, Um, as was Jefferson of a moneyed aristocracy, but of course- Both things took great hold and the founders did not put in enough safeguards to protect us from corrosive fundamentalist religion or a moneyed aristocracy. Donald Trump really showed how you could have a moneyed aristocracy that appealed to the worst facets of religion, because America's never been a Christian country. Never. If we were, we wouldn't have a death penalty. The Pentagon would have to have a a, a bake sale to buy weapons. We'd be spending all of our money on health care, taking care of the poor and education education fighting injustice yeah um we have I mean, an open border <laughs> me you're it's either you're either there's really two groups when we say religion there's the followers of christianity i'm sorry there's the followers of christ and there's the jesus unauthorized fan club yeah and that what we have are jesus unauthorized fan, <laughs> unauthorized fan club where jesus is a prop that i will wave around to brag about my virtue. And then I will vote or legislate against everything the guy actually taught. You cannot be a right-wing conservative and be a no. follower of Jesus. It doesn't exist. It's not possible. If you want to take the Bible at its strictest
0: interpretation, wouldn't what you're speaking of all the different religions who preach the same hatred, that, that to me, if you really read the Bible... That's the false prophecy. That's that's that if you believe in Satan and, and Jesus and Christ, that's the head of Satan, the many heads of the Hydra, is
2: it not? I mean, if you wanted to go that route. I mean, I mean the ultimate, you know, I think irony, Brian, is the one religion that'll never let you down. Yeah. <laughs> You're looking for something to believe in. Irony is always wonderful. It's there if you look, you'll find it, it's truth, it's always amazing. Um, but the irony is that to be a true conservative Christian, you have to be a radical liberal because it was radical revolutionaries who began this splinter Jewish sect group. You know, um, I I like to say that Jesus, and again, this is and this is for our atheist friends, you don't need to believe any of this is literal fact. I always say the Bible's got a lot of truth, hasn't necessarily got a lot of facts in it. So so when I talk about Jesus, I'm going by the book we've all agreed to the King James version where King James had a bunch of dudes pick some stories he liked and leave other stories out and rewrite them all that mangled game <laughs> story virtual telephone tag is the thing we've all agreed to fake news, fake news <laughs> radical nonviolent revolutionary hangs out with lepers, hookers, criminals, never spoke English, Not american anti-capitalism, anti-wealth, anti-public prayer, Matthew six, five, never anti-gay, Anti-death penalty, never, ever anti-abortion, never calls poor people lazy, never fights for tax cuts for the wealthiest Nazarenes, never says torture's okay under some conditions, never asks a leper for a copay, and he's a long-haired, brown-skinned, that's in Revelation, homeless, Middle Eastern, anti-slut-shaming, unarmed, Palestinian, liberal Jew. And that's if you believe what's actually in the book. So, you know, conservative people are right-wing friends. Um, being a good Christian doesn't mean you're a Christ follower. For many people, being a good Christian means, oh, I try to criminalize abortion. And the greatest racket that has ever been perpetuated on American Christianity, the first one was that slavery was okay. But in our lifetimes, the abortion criminalization racket has been what has defined and wrecked american christianity describe that in what way in what sense how do you believe that well jerry falwell who i got to debate once on on uh bill maher when i was very young uh jerry falwell made his name in the 60s as a segregationist um building leave schools, uh, supporting apartheid, calling Bishop Tutu a phony. And as you know, by the end of the 60s, you really couldn't make bank being a segregationist anymore. The tide had turned after Martin Luther King, and you could not get away with such naked white supremacy in this country anymore. So they had to change the narrative, right? States' rights, we'll still keep that, but we, we can't say N-word anymore. And around you know the early 70s, Roe v. Wade was passed, and the response of the evangelical community was... Nothing. No one cared when Roe v. Wade, not a big deal. No one made a big fuss out of it. Right. No one realized you could make a lot of money off of criminalizing it. By the late, Jerry Falwell never mentioned abortion in a speech until I believe four years after Roe v. Wade. And by the late 70s and after Nixon really crushed the conservative dream, abortion was the thing that brought the Republican Party back, back. from destruction. They, re- you Go can ahead. get rid of Jesus to reject everything Jesus ever taught by focusing on this one thing that Jesus never mentioned.
0: Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about that. It was Ronald Reagan when we talk about, and I remember this specifically. The far right, the evangelicals had been cornered during the uh, during the uh, uh, you mentioned earlier the Jimmy Carter administration. There was that one brief moment, I believe in the 70s and i talked to people who were of my age back then you know and, and just started to vote that was the era where we thought there might be some hope because yeah. there was um you know, and and my very religious friends who uh, uh, one of them who endorses science and is in fact uh, a president of a, the museum of science in um boston we talked about how in the 70s it was science and religion weren't op- weren't opposites they oh. weren't,
2: they didn't oppose each other. And I mean, televangel- some, for some people, sure, Brian, that, 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 you know, the nonsense with evolution. I mean, there's always going to be some people who, who get fixated on that, but, but I'm sorry. Go yeah. on.
0: No, no. And, and at that point in time, there was this, you know, the evangelicals had been cornered. They had been, they were not in power. They had no voice. Ronald Reagan came in with that Southern strategy of his, and uh, this is, and by the way, I think Jerry Falwell was the mayor of Cincinnati at at uh, at one point in time during. Jerry Springer. Yeah. Jerry, I'm sorry. Jerry Springer. That's the other guy. Falwell and Springer. But Springer had been. Kind of con artist, but go on. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> two con artists. So anyway, at, at that point in time, Ronnie came in and gave voice to the evangelicals. And it was at that point in time when they began to found, find not, What you know, you were talking about four years after Roe v. Wade. So this is seventy-six when that started. By eighty, when when Ronald Reagan came in, he gave them a platform, a voice, and raised their profile. And from there, I think it was the destruction, the beginning of the destruction, or the beginning of setting the table for what has followed politically in the Republican
2: Party. And and Reagan did it keeping the racism much more subtle than Nixon. Yes. But definitely there. Reagan announced his campaign. In the unlikely place of Philadelphia, Mississippi, where the three civil rights workers had been murdered, uh, Ronald Reagan defended apartheid. Uh, Yes. He would not uh, criticize apartheid. Ronald Reagan made a segregationist the first chief, uh, the chief justice of the Supreme Court. Rehnquist was a segregationist. Um, You can listen to Reagan on tape with Nixon calling the African UN delegation monkeys. Uh, He was always a racist, but he knew how to dress it up and he knew how to appeal to southern uh, folks and conservative folks who let's be honest 70s were really gross you know liberals have a way of enjoying that freedom and liberty that conservatives talk about and then conservatives see these liberals enjoying the freedom and liberty and it makes them very uptight and at the end of the 70s they were looking for a leader and so that was when abortion began to be what christianity is all about in this country despite the fact again the bible's not against it Uh, it the bible never bans it jesus's religion of judaism does not ban abortion in exodus god makes it clear if two men are fighting and strike a pregnant woman if the woman dies they pay with their life but if the fetus dies a fine is paid to the woman's husband because god considers a fetus to be property and does not have the same value in his eye as a woman none of that matters Pro-life became what Christianity was all about, not about helping the poor. Nothing in Matthew 25, helping, you know, Jesus lays out his his marching orders. You help the poor, you, you take care of the sick, you're kind to those in prison, you welcome the stranger. Four defining traits that Republicans reject legislatively and at the ballot box. He was also, you know, uh, uh, said, pay your taxes. He also yeah. was... You know, uh, he was against self-defense. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. When it comes to <laughs> them, he won't let them engage in self-defense. Like everything, the right wing on the other cheek. This synthesis <laughs> of Christ. So, for Donald Trump, who boasts that he's never sought forgiveness in his life, who is campaigning for re-election, literally on revenge, and both yeah. camp is literally the opposite of of what Christianity is. So, we have to come back and say. You know, if Christianity is being a follower of Jesus, then they're not. But if Christianity means being this unauthorized fan club that uses Christ as a as a prop, then that's what they are, and that's what it is. And let's
0: go back to you. You, you were talking about uh, Matthew. Let's talk about Luke, because I remember there was a, a a speech that Donald not Donald Trump that Ronald Reagan made at one point in time, where he's talking about the Good Samaritan, and oh. how and and. <laughs> Everything that he preached was absolutely the opposite of that particular parable.
2: Yes, yes. The brilliant thing about the the Good Samaritan story is that at the time, um, Jesus chooses a Samaritan very deliberately because they were a despised foreigner, okay? Yes. This is talking about a despised foreign minority in our midst that we're all allowed to hate. He lit, I mean, today it would be like saying, you know, the the, the good illegal immigrant. I mean, someone that, you know, is, is like whoever the culture tells you it's acceptable to hate. And when we were boys, that was gay men. So you know yep. how it is. The culture and Christian Christianity told centuries of Americans slavery was okay. But in the case of, of the Good Samaritan, um, literally the priest ignores the poor guy who's all beaten up the the politician ignores the poor guy who's all beaten up it's the despised foreign minority who takes him and cares for him and essentially the good Samaritan pays for a stranger's health care out of pocket that's the story yeah and that Sort of thing that the entire right wing has been opposed to for in my, I mean, my whole life, 30 years since Bill Clinton, prayer against care, anything to try to make it easier for us to take care of each other using the system of government. These fundamentalists forget Jesus never had democracy. Right. We- system where you want a government based on Christian values, you should vote that way. But see, they don't want a government based on the values of Christ. Because that means letting people into this country. That means we take care of poverty. That means no one in this country ever has to have a GoFundMe to pay for their kids' surgery. Like, the worst thing that could happen to American Christians would be— they think that is Christianity. Oh yes. They they
0: think that, you know, if you've got to have a GoFundMe account, that is Christianity. Because that's that's the the community pulling together to help someone. That's—but they twist— what Christianity
2: is to make oh, well, you think it's something that it isn't, but they're right, right. But but again, people showing up for Christian to to help with the GoFundMe that is good Christian neighborly behavior, but it's good Christian neighborly behavior in the face of a corrupt, evil system, and they don't want to take on the actual system, which means they don't want a society or a government based on Christian teachings. They want to do Christian teachings to sort of uh, uh you know pick up the slack for an overall anti-christian system that they perpetuate
0: well it seems to me like they support the anti-christian system because the anti-christian system tell purports to support what they believe are christian views it's it's the it's the you know the the double think the newspeak it's it's
2: almost it's so it's machiavellian but it's it's also orwellian plain old hypocrisy you know yeah. and, and- this is why, like, I don't, the older I get, the less I want to call myself Christian. People ask me if I'm a Christian, and I say the same thing when they ask me uh, if I'm a liberal, which is uh, I aspire to be. <laughs> okay, Bertrand
0: Russell, you got me there. I'm going straight to Bertrand Russell, who said that he would not call himself a Christian because Christians were not Christian.
2: <laughs> they They didn't act Christian. And I think well, who said the only true Christian died on the cross? Was that Gore Vidal? I'm not yes, sure. Yes, I believe you're correct. Yeah, yeah. but so uh, that's the system. And so to this day, you have this world where comb over Caligula can actually where were the antithesis. I mean, the only thing Donald Trump has in common with Jesus, uh, they hung out a lot with hookers and they both use ghostwriters and that's it. But you can actually see people voting literally for the opposite of Jesus. But we didn't get there overnight. We no. got centuries of christians defending slavery defending segregation believing that uh, uh criminalizing abortion has anything to do with the teachings of jesus believing that you know protesting evolution has any my god brian i was like a kid and i realized what the hell does believing in a talking snake have to do with the gospels what right. the hell does believing in a talking snake have to do with anything jesus came to talk about it's spiritually irrelevant but it's how they keep Nice conservative people in a box for centuries, and Jesus is a liberation figure. He doesn't want you to be shackled. Jesus is conservative and liberal at the same time. The best parts of conservatism, the best parts of liberalism, but but he was always a radical. And, and let me just one: he Jesus was killed because he was so damn liberal. He yeah. old testament law. He overturned the death penalty. He overturned Moses's law on divorce. He 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 loved romans he loved the people you were supposed to hate at the time he he healed the roman centurions teenage gay boy lover that whole story um he reduced the ten commandments to two you know the conservative religious bosses of his day were furious he challenged old testament law on sabbath observance on food purity he was a real rock the boat kind of guy he was not a conservative the conservatives are the ones who had him knocked off and the point of that story is that everyone killed him right yeah the soldiers and the government and the people who worshipped him on sunday wanted him dead by thursday his friends sold him out he dies horribly in this bloody awful humiliating suffocating way this as marcus borg said this naked bleeding loser on a cross and he comes back three days later and he forgives every single one of them and And that's up for a party that's what the faith is supposed to be about. And Trump is campaigning for re-election with a mugshot and the word revenge. And what? Yeah, no shit. But going back to the, the Samaritan,
0: you know, every time I go over that parable and I read it, it it boils down to basically five words to me. Tell me. And who is my neighbor? And every time I have to sit there and, and watch and listen as they go on the revenge tour saying, Close the borders, which they can't do, and they've lied about numerous. They look, folks. They didn't build a thousand miles of wall. And if you've ever been down to the border, you realize that a wall is ineffective. There are things called ladders, but more importantly, there's you know I've been in the drug tunnels. You know they've built under uh, Tijuana and Guadalajara. I mean they built almost like two lane roads. So uh, underneath that go from Mexico to the United States. Walls are ineffective.
2: Walls are ineffective. Doubles. Shovels and ladders and boats are things. The majority of undocumented immigrants are people who overstayed their visas. You know, Brian, there's 50,000 Irish undocumented in this country right now. Ask a Republican, what's your plan to get rid of all the undocumented Irish? There well, is have none. They don't care. They don't care about illegal immigration. Like they don't really care about abortion, Brian. No,
0: they don't. And To to your point, not only do they not care about illegal immigration, they encourage it. Remember in 1984, I think it was the Simpson-Mazzoli Act that came in. You know, until the Simpson-Mazzoli Act, it may have been illegal to cross, but those who hired them were not guilty of a crime. Then the Simpson-Mazzoli Act came in and that made those who hired illegal immigrants guilty of a crime but how often has that been used rarely yeah. because uh, we still need people that, they want that labor to work as skilled labor you know in construction uh, also on farms picking you know picking the the the, the, the uh, tomatoes and pineapples and everything nobody else wants to pick all yeah. of that have, they've never prosecuted it so they don't really care about illegal immigration
2: cared about it they would start locking up the white people who dangle the hire them and do all the hiring you can never build a wall that'll be big enough to hide america's giant help wanted sign that's at our and if any politician who's talking about keeping illegals out of our country but they're not talking about taking down the help wanted sign i don't care what party they're in they're lying to you and democrats will never have the guts to say this but the fact is the only law about immigration or borders in the entire Bible is the commandment to welcome the stranger. And it appears in both the old Testament and in the Mm -hmm. gospel. Yeah. Does not recognize, observe, or in any way, give a shit about the invisible lines we have created in the ground to separate our tribes. God, as far as we know, cares dick about the make-believe borders we've invented, and does not love white Americans any more than he loves b- brown, undocumented people from Central America. And this is the core of the GOP spiritual hypocrisy, along with abortion. And it's how they keep winning votes. Racism is how they conservatives of both parties have always used racism to win votes. And, you know, 20 years ago, Brian, it was all the Muslims. You know, yeah. now it's undocumented people and transgender children. Let's not forget them. Yeah. Jesus, the character in the book, again, whether you believe in him or not, uh, stands for the marginalized. Whoever's getting shit on is who Jesus stands up for. The prostitutes, the lepers, the poorest of the poor, the Samaritan despised foreign minority, the tax collectors, even the Roman centurion. Whoever's being hated is who Jesus stands for. Take a look at modern American Christianity. It's all about shitting on the marginalized. Transgender children, transgender soldiers, undocumented workers who come over here and risk their lives to do backbreaking labor i mean whoever's on the bottom of the rung here is who christians have been socialized to abuse whatsoever you do to the least of
0: my brothers that you do unto me
2: 25 that's it man yeah that's
0: on that thought we're going to take a short break and when we come back we'll have a, a lot more so stick around Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q
1: Podcast. That's J-A-T-Q Podcast. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth with Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, we're back. It's
0: Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Carman With us uh well, comedian Bomb Vivon about town and a host of his own serious XM show, uh John Fugel saying, and John, we were talking a little bit in the break uh before we got into the break about the Bible and and the wonderful far right. The other one that I love that they talk about, if you watch the the, the debates, and this goes back to the Bible as well, when you, I watch the the Republican debates and they talk about the 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 satanic use of drugs and how they're going to bomb drug dealers. In uh, Mexico. You know, you talked about the help wanted sign that's up in the United States for illegal immigration and for, for, uh, for to hire them. Well, what about the, the drugs we want? I mean, the demand, you're never going to end a drug problem by killing the supply. You're only going to make the drugs more expensive because of
2: the huge demand of drugs in the United States. You know, I, I got to do, um, stand up for the troops in uh, el salvador and honduras a little while back um you might be surprised that we have military bases in el salvador and honduras in this century we do uh and it's for the drug war yeah our air force base in honduras it uh was made of wood uh, all the all the residences were made of wood during the Reagan administration, it was not intended for long-term usage. And when I was there, the problem they had was that termites were literally eating the Air Force Base because Reagan just put it up there to make a big show. But you're right. I mean, you look at fentanyl. That's the big issue they're using yeah. right now. I've, I've come to believe that fentanyl might be the key to finally decriminalizing and regulating all these drugs. Because at this point, you know, you can't buy anything without the risk of fentanyl and in america we sort of have this thing i call one degree of empathy where it has to happen to someone you love before you care at least for some folks and i really fear that everyone's going to have to know someone who dies of fentanyl before we see any movement on drugs just like everyone's going to have to know someone who dies from a gunshot until we do something about access to ar-15s but i mean you know this is a direct corollary to um to uh, uh, the temperance movement, to, to banning alcohol. It, it, that's the ancestor. Which was also based in Christianity, remember? Yeah, but you know what? I read the Bible, and when you actually read it, Jesus uh, is the leading cause of alcohol at parties.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Turning water into wine. I want him at my
2: party. Are you kidding me? <laughs> alcohol at parties was Jesus. So the Christian... Now, obviously, alcoholism is terrible and impacts a lot of us. And if we had a grown-up nation, we can talk about it as a disease, not as a sin. Jesus didn't come for the to, to condemn sinners. Jesus came to love the sinners and to help the sinners. The people Jesus condemns the most consistently are hypocrites. Yeah. Which we have plenty of those. I mean, well... I watch, I watch the TV news, Brian, and I see all these drug busts where they go after poor people for having mood-altering drugs... And then comes the commercial breaks and I see ads for all the legal taxable mood things. Yeah. And that's our prison industrial complex.
0: Well, I remember standing, I, I can't tell you the number of times I worked, you know, when I was with America's Most Wanted and well, when I was a television reporter and we'd go on these drug busts, I, I remember you know, one time they busted like this 50 acre field of of pot and they're burning it yeah. and they're all standing downwind. And then they while they smoke cigarettes and drink some Kentucky bourbon. And then they want to go have a bite to eat afterwards because they got the munchies from inhaling the the weed.
2: Yeah, it's all about hypocrisy. But that's... Throw brown kids in jail for weed because it's bad for public health, and then you'll take your kids to McDonald's later on? George Washington grew hemp at Mount Vernon. I've seen his diaries. Thomas Jefferson grew it. Uh, And they made money from it money from it yes it's like and again it's 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 not about the sin it's about the hypocrisy consistently look at modern fundamentalists you know we're all fuck-ups i mean i mean tom patty said if there is a god then he knows you didn't mean it and he knows you fucked up That, but fundamentalist religion, again, Christianity, whatever, it's all about sin, 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 condemnation, condemnation. And even Jesus is the one who said, you, you call out the speck in his eye, take the plank out of your own. Your own.
0: Yeah. Which means he may have not been a very good carpenter, but he was pretty good at. <laughs> but not, uh, not a metaphor. Yeah. But, but he was pretty good at metaphors. There, there was, you know, we talked about the, you, you spoke to the troops in honduras and on our bases there look it was smedley butler who was second most decorated marine in the history of the marine corps who wrote the book war is a racket and that was back in the 1930s or the 20s when he said he went to you know he worked for Dole pineapple and he worked for the agribusiness administration he quoted the bible there
1: yeah. and
0: and you know do unto others and he said what are we doing You know, we have we have created the problems in Central and South America. So every time we go back to when we don't want to let immigrants in from those countries, it's because we've created the problems that have created the lower class in those countries.
2: Yeah. I mean, you don't like refugees from Central America at our southern border fleeing violence from our drug war and our drug war. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's criminalize it all. Regulate it all, tax the shit out all of it, out of it, and watch the cartel leaders embrace poverty, put the drug lords out of business, and then let Big Pharma, the respectable drug lords, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, can
0: all own a piece of if we want to get into the stock market.
2: <laughs> I just want to stop seeing people thrown in jail for over like a flower that existed here long before white people came. I think the whole, as, as tacky as the whole, you know, weed decriminalization business is um, I'm thrilled it's happening in our lifetime.
0: Yes, me too. I, there was a kid I coached in high school, a friend of my oldest son, um, nice kid. He spent a year in, in prison or in jail for three joints, three for, joints. For
2: our, that grew here long before white people ever showed up. It's like, you know, weed and foreskins and gay people. God put them all over the earth. Conservative <laughs> and God doesn't want them here.
0: <laughs> and conservative Christians
2: don't want God, them. Foreskins or gay people. He'd stop creating them in every society around.
0: <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to the Bible is where do you think what would you see as the application of the bible in politics if it were actually applied to politics today
2: we've touched a little
0: bit upon it but give me your idea of what what that
2: candidate would look like there's there's the bible and then there's the jesus parts we got to delineate between that because the you know, christian you know you talk to a right wing christian try to get them to quote christ they they'll Leviticus or Deuteronomy, they'll quote uh, Saint Paul all day long. Most of these Christians are really Paulists. You know, Jesus was like a real celebrity with incredibly conservative PR guy. That's Paul. And more right wing Christians quote Paul than Jesus. And here's the best part: most of them don't know it's Paul and not Jesus. You know, I I do this thing, Brian. I think I mentioned to you once before. I always ask right wing Christians. I say the same question: Please give me one actual teaching of Christ that Donald Trump. Or the Republican Party have fought for in the last thirty years, just one. M- number one is abortion, and then I tell them the Bible's not against abortion; they get very angry. Number okay. 2 they'll say a strong border, and I'm like, no. Uh, the only law about borders in the Bible is welcome the stranger. Republicans, are, and then the third they'll say is a uh, yeah, hey, Donald Trump moved the embassy, the U.S. embassy to uh, oh yes, Jerusalem, and I'm like, okay, might shock you. Uh, Jesus never mentions America or an embassy in the year 33 AD. Doesn't come up once. So it's like they haven't read the Bible. And their worst nightmare would be a government based on Christian values, because then our tax dollars would be in service of helping the poor. Our tax dollars would be in service of caring for the sick. Uh, We would have to welcome the stranger. We would have to be much kinder to those in jail. And we would have to shun earthly riches and you would not get to have billions and billions and billions in corporate subsidies for billionaires just for being themselves so you know it would threaten the entire social order there would be a nightmare everything would change it would probably freak out and scare everybody but <laughs> we have people dying because they couldn't pay health care we wouldn't have all this poverty in the streets and we wouldn't treat sick addicts like they're violent criminals
0: you know you uh talk about it i remember my bible well acts nine five Saul is on his way on the road to Damascus to slaughter Christians because you know everybody's got to have a hobby yeah and he falls onto the ground and this is the King's James version by the way falls onto the ground hearing a voice in the sky he says who art thou and he goes I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks now rise and go into Damascus now that became Paul yeah never met Jesus 50 years after the guy's dead that's this is this is saul who became i believe it was 50 years after his death and became paul i also used that quote from the bible once and uh i was with america's most wanted and i went down to uh interview a sheriff and he had i noticed he had a large large king james bible on his desk would not do an interview with me because he said graven images, Jesus doesn't like graven images, and rather than getting into that argument with him,
2: the I ten, simply ten Commandments. And again, yeah, it, it, there's a new covenant, folks. You get to eat bacon now if yeah, you. That's, it's, it's okay. So, so drop,
0: rather than getting into,
2: up the homophobia, kids.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, so rather than getting into that with him, I said, "Listen, I tell you what. If I can show you in the Bible." where Jesus calls his enemies a bunch of pricks. Will you do the interview? And he says, Jesus never cursed. I will never curse. I said, Acts 9.5, look it up. Hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he goes, some bitch, I'm doing the interview. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, Jesus had a bad PR agent
2: is what it boils down to to me. Ever Christians try to justify homophobia from the New Testament, it's always Paul. It's always uh, distorting the the, the uh, Paul's letter to Romans, yep. um, and, and that's what they always try to use. I mean, they are so they're such true romantics, Brian. They have to hang on to the belief that Jesus hates the same marginalized minorities that they hate, and so they will ne- and and they'll do it. They'll quote Romans all day, and they don't know it's Paul because they haven't actually read it. No, I mean, I saw a great cartoon where Jesus is saying the difference between us, him and his followers, is you guys use scripture to decide what love means, but I, Jesus, use love to decide what scripture means. And that's the delineation of it all. They're looking for an excuse to be cruel to marginalized people, they're looking to gay people, trans people, undocumented people, you know, Muslims, you know, Muslims had a good run as being the hot, hate minority in this country. Uh, And and it's weakness and it's anti-Christianity. And I'm tired of the Democratic Party allowing this fraud to be perpetuated. You know, they use Luke 22 to say that we should have AR-15s. I mean,
0: yes. Well, but here's the thing. You talk to a Democrat and they're no better than a Republican when it comes to having read the Bible. Some of them are some of them i are. I, I well I'll, all right but the same. caveat i will say some of them
2: have yes hey most of them are cuz most the democrats are the party generally speaking this is very vulgar but in platform and principle the democratic party is light years closer to the teachings of oh, jesus now i say this and the whole room cracks up all the time but light years closer i'm not saying democrats are anywhere near jesus but they are not the direct opposite of his teachings which the Republican party is. Well, the Democrats it- are shitty Christians, the Republicans are anti-Christians. And <laughs> all of the progress, everything we've seen in our in our the last what, 50, 60 years of any kind of social progress, it's come from the left and it's been Christian teachings. Whether it's you know civil rights, whether it's women's rights, whether it's LGBTQ rights, it's all this love and compassion and empathy that Christ preached in a society based on liberty and freedom and it's right-wing Christians who have consistently been devoted to restricting rights, being meaner to marginalized groups and, and, um, making the rich a lot richer. I got nothing against well-intentioned conservatives who really care about fetuses. Okay. I get it. You believe it's a life. You believe that it's your duty to protect this life. But I say this, what if, um, someone's dying, of uh they need a kidney and you're the only donor match does the government have a right to take your kidney and give it to that person it's yeah. the same do, do they have a right to take away your body autonomy to save an innocent life well they'll if, use
0: the same argument but people, John, they'll use the same argument used by those who support you know abortion they'll use the same argument to to say that they don't need to take a vaccine the government right. can't the yeah. government has no right to legislate whether or not i take uh, well yeah you're right but you don't see where that stretches where where that encompasses abortion as well but i'll push back just a bit on i
2: think you are right about no, i'm sorry john kenneth galbraith 1967 the modern conservative is engaged in one of mankind's oldest pursuits trying to make selfishness appear virtuous Virtu- yes yeah and the mask, and the COVID, all that stuff. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, please. no,
0: no, that's, I'll just push back a little bit. I think you're right that the Democrats are closer to, they're not in any way, I agree with you, they're Not any, they're bad Christians as opposed to Republicans who are not Christian, but I Anti- think, yeah, are anti-Christian, that, but I think the Democrats, by and large, find their compassion based on the Constitution, that they are trying to keep, the, I don't think it's based, I don't think it's Bible-based,
2: I, I think it's Constitution-based individually it's what the founders intended yes you're not not actually going to have any kind of religious dogma as policy but what is in your heart will guide you as a policy maker that's what the founders intended from the beginning as deists not setting up a christian nation at all so yeah i agree on this
0: yeah and in that respect i would say they are closer to being christian than the anti-christian republicans
2: and I, I, and again, I'm not talking about how often they go to church. I'm saying, what are the policies they fight for that line up more with the teachings of the Nazarene this religion is named after? And Republicans, there is no contest. There is nothing. It will help you and your, and your viewers see when you just respectfully ask these questions, it, you know, when you're debating your right-wing fundamentalist, what's the teaching of Jesus this party has fought for in 35, 40 years? And, and you'll see how much they don't know the bible yeah
0: or have yeah have,
2: god you know i had to read the damn thing <laughs> I, I had to get past the begats that was yeah. they used the story of noah to justify slavery for hundreds and hundreds of years the children of ham ham was noah's kid who saw noah got drunk and passed out naked and his son came in and saw his dad's dick and his son had dark skin so that's why slavery is a curse the children of ham it's there it was used uh, for- there by the way it's no different or it's 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 in the same ballpark at least of saying well women have to have uh, monthly menstruation painful childbirth and shitty wages for doing the same work as a man because eve listened to a snake once it's lunacy they try to find any kind of justification to make cruelty to someone else appear virtuous because i didn't make the rules it's just how it is and yeah. it it's how, fa- I mean, fascists need this kind of religion to thrive. Putin's using it now.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah. Well, it not that all basically, that is a, that's also in the Bible, you know, that, 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 that basically Satan can twist the words of the Bible to his own use. Yeah. So exactly. we're, we're going to take a short break. When we'll come back, we'll have a few final thoughts. Stick
1: around. Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you, and we need your help. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve.
0: Hi, we're back. It's just asked the question. I'm your host, Brian Karen with me again, is John Fugel saying, and John we, we like the yeah, peace and love to everybody. We like to wrap it up with uh, I, you know, what's your favorite passage from the Bible?
2: Uh, matthew twenty five, uh, seriously, the, you know, where where Jesus will gather the individuals and nations, right? He uses this weird phrase all the time, "Son of man." Yes, He guess that he's a human. But he goes, so, you know, the Son of Man will gather the individuals and nations. And he will judge them based on some criteria. Did you, did you take care of me when I was poor? When I was sick? Did you welcome me when I was a stranger? Were you, did you visit me when I was in prison? And they'll say, well, when were you sick? When were you in prison? When were you the stranger? He goes, "When well, you didn't do it for the least of them. You did it for me. That is the core of Christianity. Not white Jesus, not magic tricks and miracles. That, as you did for the least, as you said, Brian, so beautifully yeah. earlier, for me matthew 25 that is important because it's not just jesus telling people they have to do these things it's jesus telling nations that they will be judged because the number one argument you'll get from right-wing christians brian Look, I do these things. Jesus said to do these things, but he didn't tell the government to do it. Didn't tell the government to pick my pocket and take my taxes and force me to help the poor. He told me to help the poor, and I donate my church, blah blah, blah, blah but no, no, shut the fuck up. He tells nations that nations will be judged. Even Pope Benedict said this. Pope Benedict said every country has a responsibility to pay for the health care of its poorest members, regardless of their ability to pay. The nation will be judged by how they treat the least of us. And that means when you have a system of democracy, you get to vote for what Jesus would have wanted. And this country could ironically be saved if we could convince the Christians to vote for the stuff Christ says. Oh,
0: I love that. And that's my favorite too. That, And I I do love the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes.
2: Yeah, me too. Me so too. Ta- that's Matthew- where Jesus, death penalty, by the way. Pardon? That's where Jesus first overturns the death penalty. Yes,
0: exactly. I, I That was his coming out party. I would love to have been there just to, to listen to that. And I know Monty Python did a great scene on it, but that's—I would have loved to have been there for that. And Matthew twenty-five; those are my two. I'll take those away. And and of course, my favorite uh, at the end of of you know the Bible Acts nine five. I I just like the idea of kicking against pricks. That's just, that's just that that makes my day every day. But Perfect. we can't get out of one last thing. Can't get out of a conversation with John without asking you the the other uh you know we've talked about Matthew Mark Luke and John we've talked about the New Testament what about the uh John Paul George and Ringo <laughs> we can't get out of a conversation without talking about the Beatles so you're uh, it, on this day if you're going to put on a Beatles song right now what would it be
2: well this day I would put on Dolly Parton's just released oh great because McCartney's on it playing piano and singing with her and Ringo plays drums. And its uh, I think it's the first time uh, Paul and Ringo have reunited to play on someone else doing a Beatles song. So that's worth hearing. Um, I'm also very excited for the release of uh, Now and Then, the final Beatles song. Back in the early 90s, as you know, when Jeff Lynn got together for the anthology series, Yoko gave Paul three uh, three tracks John had done on his famous piano demo bootleg. Um, and Jeff and George and Ringo and Paul worked on it and they released Free as a Bird on Anthology 1, Real Love on Anthology 2. The song for Anthology 3 never came out because George Harrison wouldn't do it. He said John's vocals sounded like crap. They tried and tried. They recorded. George laid down guitar parts, but George Harrison was the vote that said, no, we can't. And so we never heard it. Now, Peter Jackson has used the same AI technology they used to clean up the video in uh, uh, Get Back to clean up John's vocal, it's not AI; it's John's vocal and John's piano, and they still had George's guitar parts from nineteen ninety four. So they've announced they have completed the song using technology, and they will release the final Beatles song, um, I believe, later this fall. So that's that's just and and if you we need an old one, then I, I would say the most underrated Beatles song is uh, George's "It's All Too Much." So that there's my three.
0: Oh, dude, "It's All Too Much" with the guitar feedback at the
2: at the beginning. Most underrated Beatles song, if it had come out a few months later on Pepper, a few months earlier on Pepper, instead of the Yellow Submarine soundtrack, it would be considered a classic to this day. If it oh, had been-
0: I, I, it, it remains my favorite George Rocker. And of course, Something, I love Something, but Hey Bulldog, but they, I that was underrated for many years. And then there were others that started to do it. I think that, I can't remember who, uh, David Grohl did it for, a, I, I think,
2: Yeah. When when they, they we, yeah we we had a promotion on SiriusXM where uh, we were playing that like every hour at one point uh, they they asked us to play Hey Bulldog every hour so it was a pleasure to do it because it's a dynamite song, and it's also a great film. It's my son's favorite movie, and um, it's incredibly witty, and uh, it's probably a movie that deserves a sequel. I'd love to see a decent sequel to Yellow Submarine if they could. Do
0: <laughs> well, it, my uh, f- I have a four-year-old grandson. who I introduced to the Beatles. His favorite songs are. Uh, he loves um here comes the sun. And then he calls, uh, get, uh, no, he calls come together the car song because there's a video with, you know, the cartoon video with it, with him in cars. So that's his second one. And then Hey Bulldog, cause he loves the barking. So those are his three songs and I introduced him to it uh, all too much. He's starting to pick that one up, but that's my favorite of, of a rocker. So really? I'll go with those two. Thanks
2: Brian. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: As always, John, it's always a pleasure having you, man. I appreciate it.
2: Plug where you want, to, where we can find you. We're on SiriusXM five nights a week, Monday through Friday, from uh, six to nine PM on the Pacific Coast, nine to midnight on the East Coast. If You don't have SiriusXM? We do a free podcast every day of the best of last night's show, the John Fugelsang podcast, on Apple and Google and Stitcher, wherever you get them wherever fine products are
0: sold. (laughs) This is uh, Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Kerum. The name of the book is Free the Press. And you can catch me every Thursday in Salon and wherever fine products are sold again. So thanks a lot for joining us. We'll catch you next time.